0: Welcome to The Retirement Oasis, a podcast that helps you enjoy, plan, and visualize a retirement lifestyle defined by you. Your hosts and fiduciary financial planners, Mel Bond and Steve Martin, are here to offer wisdom and encouragement along with financial and lifestyle ideas for your journey into the best season of life. And now at the helm today, your hosts, Mel Bond and Steve Martin.
1: Welcome again to another episode of The Retirement Oasis. This is Steve Martin, and of course, got Mel Bond with me again today. Hey, Mel, how's it going?
2: Hey, Steve, I'm excited about debt today.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about whether or not you should pay off mortgage a little bit before retirement or in retirement. It's one of the most off-asked questions, if you will, other than should I buy an RV in retirement? It's whether or not to pay off the mortgage in retirement. So that's what we're going to explore today.
2: I think that's a good point. When we talk about debt here, we really are just zeroing in maybe on the mortgage, though you might hear us talk about other kinds of debt as we walk through this. And, you know, there's differing views on this question. I would say there are many benefits and reasons to be free of a mortgage in retirement, but we're also going to look at some of the potential benefits of having a mortgage of some type in retirement and ways to use that debt strategically in retirement to give you some some benefits. Of course, avoiding bad debt is a no-brainer. By bad debt, we mean we're really not fans of this kind of debt at any point in your life, especially at retirement. But bad debt would include credit card debt. Relying on credit card debt in retirement is certainly not good, just as it's not good at any point in life, typically because the interest rate that you pay on your credit card debt Is much higher than the uh, earnings that you could have on an investment portfolio. So just not a good use of money there. Then the second kind of bad debt would be using, say, uh, a loan to buy a car when that car is not within your financial means right now. In other words, the only reason, the only way you could have bought that car was with the debt. You could not have paid for it any other way. You're really using debt to buy beyond your means. And so we'll we'll call that bad debt as well.
1: But there's good debt, right? No, not all debt is bad debt, right? That's, I think, the theme of our episode. And, and somewhat when we work with clients, uh, good debt could be a tool. And, and I define good debt as this, low interest rate debt that can help you meet some of your life goals that are well within your financial capabilities, or that low interest rate debt that can help you make wise investments. In some cases, good debt is even tax deductible. That makes it even better. So that's the kind of debt we're going to be talking about in this episode, and whether or not to pay down this good debt. A common view, though, still, even with good debt, some say, especially those in the financial entertainment space, I would say, they say that uh, payoff all debt, you know, all debt is bad. It should be pay off at all all times and really should never be taken on, taken on. That kind of advice has helped a lot of people by being disciplined about not taking out debt in the first place, really forced them to live within their means and maybe even too frugally, but it has helped them stay disciplined, maybe they either not take it out or pay down debt more aggressively. So, I don't want to discount the fact that that approach has helped out many people, but the other approach of utilizing good debt in a smart manner has helped out and could help out, I think, a lot more people than than they realize. So whether or not to pay down debt or, or take on more debt as you approach retirement or pay off debt in an accelerated manner, that's what we're going to talk about. There's
2: pros and cons of, of doing that. Yeah. So, of course, you've heard us toss around these words, good debt, bad debt. How should we think about debt as you approach retirement, this is a very common question for retirees. And and maybe we're focusing here on near retirees. And when we t- say near retirees, we're really saying meaning that uh, these are people who could be anywhere from one month to 12 years from retirement. So it's within sight and there are thinking about it and working toward it more diligently than they were earlier in their work life. And one of their top goals is to be debt-free by the time they reach retirement. They oftentimes will state that goal in non-financial terms or with non-financial reasons. It's the way they were raised or they've always had this goal in their mind and they've almost connected being debt-free with retirement itself. So what are the benefits of paying off debt in retirement? Well, certainly there's peace of mind. And a lot of these folks uh, who set this goal have that top of mind, knowing that you don't have to pay a, a lender every month when you're retired, lowers the amount of money that you have in your sort of you know cash flow needs and that feels good right just i've reduced my spending that idea that your expenses have been reduced when your income is reduced at retirement brings some peace of mind it's also nice to know that you own your own home free and clear no mortgage on the home you don't have to worry about what if i don't make my payments the bank can come take your home All you got to think about is maintaining that home with your regular monthly expenses and then with your periodic uh, larger home maintenance expenses. So that's a lot of peace of mind. But there's also financial benefits in paying off debt by the time you reach retirement. You know, sometimes the cost of that debt could be greater than what you would otherwise earn on an investment portfolio. With mortgage rates as low as they've been the last few years, a lot of people have taken advantage of that low rate. But if uh, you've got a mortgage, you know, you got one last month at five and a half percent or something. If your cost of debt's higher than what you might earn, then that would be a reason to pay it off. And there is also this idea that paying off your debt can make you more disciplined. You've got a goal. You're putting your cash to it. And then because of that, you're not tempted to spend that money on other things that may be not in your best interest for your retirement goals. You have the discipline of paying off the debt. And then when that goal is achieved at retirement, your income comes down and your cash flow needs are also lower.
1: Yeah, man, there are certainly benefits of paying down debt, but I'll play bad cop or bad banker or good banker here to your uh, your, uh, good banker, but uh, there are benefits of carrying a mortgage into retirement, I would argue. But many people assume that paying off debt is always better. And their thinking is that, okay, I I reduce my debt. I no longer have this expense. I no longer have the interest expense into retirement. So automatically, if my expenses are less, aren't I better off You know, the sooner I pay it? Well, you alluded to this earlier um, that logic is ignoring the benefit you otherwise could get on your investments if you don't pay down the debt. If you pay down the debt, you're losing the opportunity to have that amount that you use to pay off the debt uh, be invested in theoretically grow. So you're you're basically reducing your assets by paying off your liabilities. You're not merely reducing your liabilities. So that leads to that. The, the basic question, one of the basic factors in deciding whether or not to pay off the debt is that arbitrage analysis. You alluded to that earlier, Mel. And the question is, whether you can earn more on your investments on an after-tax basis than the cost of the debt you incur also on an after-tax basis. Uh, But there's other benefits too that we'll explore about continuing to carry a mortgage or even taking on debt in retirement. There's some tax planning might allow you to live a little bit more lavishly, uh, still within your means, but might allow you to live a slightly different lifestyle by really using some of the equity in your home. So not all debt is bad, but again, one of the basic ways to analyze this, whether or not to pay down the debt, is that arbitrage analysis. You know, you know
2: we're we're using this word arbitrage. Maybe we should find it for those who are saying, oh, what, what exactly do you mean by that? And by that word arbitrage, we're meaning we're comparing choice A, To choice B and determining which of those two choices gives us the greatest financial advantage. And in this case, you might be saying, okay, if I pay off the debt, then putting dollars over there every month to pay off the debt. And we can calculate what your benefit is on that, your financial benefit. And choice B would be I'm going to take the dollars that I would have put toward paying off the debt faster. And I'm going to go put that in, say, an investment account. And then that's going to grow. And then at some point in the future, either my mortgage is going to get paid off normally and I'm going to have a pile of money in my investment account, or I'm going to use the investment account to pay off the mortgage. But there's arbitrage as this comparison of choice A to choice B, which one gives me the greatest financial advantage in the long term.
1: Yep. Thank you for that clarification. So yeah, some of those uh, factors that go into that analysis, certainly interest rate right? What's the cost of debt? And that's usually pretty easy to figure out. Usually we see mortgages are are fixed. If your rate is variable, then that becomes a little bit harder. And there's certainly some planning you need to do around that to determine whether or not it makes sense to fix your debt. But let's assume the interest rate is fixed right now. So that's a starting point. But then you look at the tax impact and that's a lot of times ignored. Potentially, you can get a tax deduction if you itemize your deductions on your tax returns which means that effectively you might be able to reduce that cost of debt because of the tax deduction. So let's look at that a little bit more. I won't get too much into the weeds. The blog goes into this a little bit more. So not everyone gets a, the benefit of a tax deduction, though. If you're taking the standard deduction, which as most of our listeners know, you have the choice of either itemizing deductions, uh, the standard deduction, If the standard deduction is greater than itemized deductions, then you just take the standard deduction. If itemized deductions are greater, you take the itemized deductions, and one of the largest itemized deductions is that interest expense. So you need to understand your situation on whether or not you're taking the standard deduction or itemized deduction and look at it over time, right? It's not the same result every year, and it could change drastically pre-retirement and post-retirement. You really need to do that analysis, the projections, or really understand your long-term situation to understand, you know, what years you might be getting the deduction. It's a little bit more complicated than that, Mel, right? Taxes and taxes always are. As an example of that complexity, just because you are itemizing deductions does not mean you get a full tax benefit from that interest expense. It's really only the excess of your itemized deductions over that standard deduction is effectively what you're getting a tax benefit from. So if the standard deduction is twenty-five thousand nine hundred and your itemized deductions are twenty-six thousand nine hundred, that excess of one thousand dollars, that effectively is your tax deduction benefit from your interest expense. And then you look at what is the net tax benefit to you. Well it's the marginal rate times that Effective tax deduction, if you will. So let's look at an example, assuming the 24% tax rate is applicable and assume that you get the full benefit of the deduction. So you've got a lot of itemized deductions, and one of those deductions is the interest expense. So if, you're, if your cost of debt is 5% and you're in the 24% bracket, the after tax cost of debt is approximately 3.8%. So for all those that are complaining about the higher interest rates, if you get a tax deduction, it does not sound as bad, even though I do not like five percent compared to three percent, like we, uh, like many of us might have. And of course, if your tax deduction is higher, the the bigger impact it has on your rate. And if your marginal tax rate is lower, then you really don't get uh, that big of a tax benefit. But again, you've got to first be taking the itemized deductions, and and you've got to have pretty significant itemized deductions to uh, be able to get the full benefit from this interest deduction. So the the cost of debt again. You've got to look at it from an after-tax perspective. Take into account state tax laws too. If if you're in you know Georgia six roughly six percent, Alabama six percent, some of the areas that we serve, state taxes should be looked at and considered as well. Just know we don't know future tax laws. You know one big area of tax laws that seems that have moved lately. We don't know exactly where they're going to go in the future. Is the amount of the standard deduction. You know, the standard deduction was increased in 2018 uh, quite a bit. As a result, many people did not itemize their deductions, and that meant many people weren't getting the benefit of this interest rate deduction. Now, those laws are legislated to change once again in, I guess, 2026, unless Congress makes some changes before that, and they might. It's going to be interesting to see if those higher standard deduction amounts stick around. If they do, again, less people will be able to itemize the deductions or less of a need to itemize the deductions, which means less people will get the benefit of this tax deduction. So stay tuned on that. Understand that the future tax laws impact decisions even today. So the after-tax cost of debt, we looked at that. But the other side of the equation, Mel, is the expected return on investments. That's the other part of the arbitrage
2: equation we laid out. Yeah. So expected rate of return. You know what the cost of your debt is. And we just uh, adjusted that cost of debt for its tax benefit to you. And we need to compare that to what return you would earn on your investments. So we might call that the opportunity cost, right? You've got some extra dollars. You can either repay the mortgage with those extra dollars to try to pay it off before retirement, or you could save those extra dollars in an investment account and use those extra dollars in one lump sum to pay off the mortgage, either at retirement or some other date, or you will let the mortgage get paid off according to his amortization schedule, no extra payments, and the money you're setting aside every month in an investment account is going to grow. So coming up with the right expected return is is not exactly straightforward and simple. Like a lot of other things, it's going to vary on your particular circumstances. Let's kind of talk about how you might consider that. The first thing would be your time frame. How would you invest your money? You need to think about when am I going to need this money when you're thinking about time frame. It, uh, well, if I'm setting aside this money and I'm going to pay off my mortgage at retirement, how many years is it to, to, until retirement? 12 years? then that portfolio is probably more like 60, 40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Maybe it's a 70, 30, 70% stocks, 30% bonds. So you think about that time frame of when you're going to take the investment account and use that money either to pay off a mortgage or maybe you're after the mortgage gets paid off, you're going to say, okay, that pile of money is now available for my spending. So in your mind, you've set some kind of time frame, number of years, until you're going to start pulling money out of this investment account where your extra mortgage payments are going to accumulate. Let's say you're doing a 60-40 portfolio, 60 stocks, 40 bonds, and maybe we're going to be conservative here, maybe a 6% rate of return. Just like we did on the interest, we applied to the interest payments or the interest rate on the mortgage. We apply this adjustment for the potential tax savings when you itemize. We need to do the same tax adjustment to the earnings on your portfolio. And different types of earnings are taxed differently. You know, interest is taxed at your ordinary income tax rates. Most dividends are taxed at long-term capital gains rates. Then the capital gains you earn, are they short-term? Are they long-term? The long-term capital gains get better tax treatment than the short-term. And of course, maybe some portion of the portfolio grows at unrealized gains and that those gains get taxed in the future. So calculating the type of income coming out of your portfolio can be complicated, but you could then kind of narrow that in, make an assumption about the portfolio, depending on its mix of stocks and bonds, about what taxes will you have to pay on those earnings. And so if your portfolio we were using like a 60/40 portfolio earning 6%. If um, the taxes on that are on average let's say 20%, then you would take 20% off the 6% and now really your portfolio is only earning 4.8% a year. So I've just kind of picked those 20% weighted tax effect as kind of ballpark but but you could get into more detail on that. So again The cost of the debt, the taxes are paying part of that cost of the debt for you, your tax savings. And so that actually decreases the cost of the debt. And here on the earning side, the taxes are decreasing the earnings that we have on the portfolio. So that's how you're comparing or calculating the after-tax earnings on this pile of money you're accumulating with your extra cash flow that was going to go toward paying off your mortgage. Then you compare that after tax rate of return. Uh, I just ballparked 4.8 with the after tax cost of the debt. And uh, Steve, what do we get on that? 3.8, I think. Yeah, maybe? I think so. Okay. Makes so math easy. I can make it does. I can make 4.8 after tax on my portfolio, or my debt's gonna cost me 3.8. Well, which do you, you can earn 4.8? Your debt costs you 3.8. The difference between those 1% is the extra money you're going to earn after taxes by accumulating the dollars in the investment account instead of putting extra dollars onto your, your debt payment.
1: So if the debt mail is, I was just going to say, so if the debts, let's say the principal is 300,000, that 1% arbitrage, if you will, it's 3,000 in that year. Of course, the debts eventually pay down, the principal's paid down, so it's not 3000 every year for the rest of the period. It gradually decreases, that benefit gradually decreases, but those benefits can add up over time.
2: Yes, yes. They add up over time, and there's a compounding effect too, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. not really talking about that compounding effect, and that compounding works both ways, right? Your, the extra money on the debt would compound But you're also going to compound on your investments. So, you know, if you study the equations for compounding, since you're going to make 4.8 after tax on the investments and your debt's only going to cost you 3.8, the gap 1% actually compounds to be a little more than 1%. -hmm. So it's slightly better than what we've just calculated. Now, those are numbers, right? And as we've said over and over again in in this discussion, there is also the non-financial. Benefits and so now you've calculated this arbitrage of one percent between pay it off or accumulate cash and investments, and now you can weigh that benefit to your peace of mind factor. You know, being able to sleep at night about having the debt paid down, or all of those other non-financial reasons we we talked about earlier. You know, I might mention something else though. You could make some changes. To the return you calculated, maybe you use that 6%. If you're farther away from retirement and you want this investment account that you're putting dollars into every month to accumulate past retirement, you might use a higher rate of return because your portfolio might be a little more aggressive there. And in our example, obviously, if we used expected rate of return higher than 6%, then our after tax rate would be even higher than the 4.8 that we calculated. So obviously, you get more aggressive in your allocation, your average annual expected return is going to go up. And that makes, in this example, makes the arbitrage lean even more toward save the money and invest it. Of course, long-term rates of return are hard to predict. And those returns, especially in the stock market, are, can be quite volatile, as we're learning right now. And sometimes that's one reason people want to pay down debt. That's predictable. I know what that number is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if my stock investments are going to do that well. Well, that's, that's true. We can't guarantee the future. We can just look back at, at history over decades and try to make an assumption about rates of return. But I might mention also, any anytime we're talking about stocks as an investment, we want to be able to have control over when we sell those stocks, especially in a bear market. So when you're you're accumulating dollars, instead of paying off your mortgage, you're accumulating dollars in an investment account, you own some stocks in there, you wouldn't want to sell the stocks while they're down in a bear market and use that cash to pay off the mortgage, right? You would want to sell the stocks in the investment account while they're up and doing really well, and then use that cash to pay off the mortgage. So long Term performance is hard to predict, and we try to structure those portfolios so we reduce the possibility that we might have to sell stocks at a loss. We want to keep that from happening if we can. And Mel, some we talked about potentially, uh,
1: you know, decent returns, maybe higher returns in some cases, but uh, depends on the client situation. They might be in an environment, or their situation might be such that a lower return is the better assumption.
2: That's true. That's true. Certainly you'll say less than 10 years to retirement and you want to use this pile of money to pay off the mortgage at retirement, then yeah, maybe your returns going to be, your, your portfolio is going to have more bonds in it. Your return is going to be less than, less than that 6%. Also, you know, when you set that date of on this date, I'm going to sell everything in this portfolio and I'm going to pay off the mortgage. Technically by our matching approach, we would want that investment account to be all bonds as you get really close to that liquidation date. and so moving into mainly bonds in that portfolio is going to reduce your expected rate of return so much so that maybe even in our example the if you were all bonds after tax return there you, of course your taxable account if you got taxable bonds it's all interest and all that interest is taxable at ordinary income tax rates so that calculation, on an all-bond portfolio, in this example, might be equal to, or the return might be equal to, or less than the after-tax cost of the mortgage.
1: Yeah, especially going back to that tax factor, I alluded to it earlier. When one is retired, less likely to itemize deductions, not always the case, but sometimes, you know, charitable contributions go down, and certainly that interest as the mortgage is lower, the interest deduction decreases a bit. So you've got. Both those uh, dynamics come into play when you retire and it changes it, the equation a little bit.
2: Oh, it changes the equation, I think, a lot because we're using this simple example of, well, this is your always your marginal tax rate for as long as we're doing this calculation and this. And that's not true, as you said, right? At at retirement, maybe your taxable income is coming down, your Mm -hmm. marginal rate is going down. Maybe it's harder for you to get enough itemized deductions to really get benefit out of those. So yes, yes, all of this changes. A lot of these calculations change at retirement. So getting specific on your situation, of course, is always required. But also, we're taking the simple approach of these are the numbers, but actually... If you're going to have this mortgage into retirement, there's uh, maybe two different tax calculations, one from here to retirement and one past retirement on, on all of these. And so it's very common for retirees or near retirees as they get closer to retirement, their expected return from the portfolio might decrease. And also in retirement, if they still have the mortgage, they might just want to have that money invested very conservatively and that for peace of mind and that would also reduce the expected return well thanks
1: Mel for looking at that uh, rate of return and going deeper into that arbitrage analysis and deciding whether or not to pay down the debt and but there's other factors other than the arbitrage analysis and deciding whether or not to pay down your mortgage going into or, or through retirement and that relates to taxes and, and I'll Touch on a few of those things. One uh, idea is that rather than pay down debt, maybe it's better to use that cash flow to save to some retirement accounts, whether it's a four hundred one k, an IRA, or an health savings account. The tax benefits may be so great that it's better to take advantage of those tax benefits than paying down debt. Or it's another factor, I guess, in not paying down debt. So something to consider there, because you're. Pre-retirement, you're probably going to be in a relatively high tax bracket. Again, post-retirement, that issue really doesn't apply, right? You, you need to have earned income to to be able to save to those accounts, and your tax rate is probably a little bit lower. So, being able to save to retirement accounts may be another reason not to pay down that debt aggressively, so that you can allocate those funds to maybe a more productive savings account. You know, another reason I've seen Mel as to why maybe not to pay down that debt early is the need to fund your kids college needs you know many people are you know kind of rounding third or rounding second getting close to retirement right as their kids are going to college and maybe they don't have enough saved up in a 529 plan already and they're reliant on student loans or some other loans to meet those expenses well student loans in, in today's environment are quite a bit higher interest rate generally than mortgage so rather than paying off the mortgage sooner use that cash flow to pay down or to help pay for education costs. You know, I've seen too many people or heard stories about people paying down the mortgage and they're, you know, left with higher interest student loans. And kind of along those lines, we felt the number of clients, Mel, during the during the good days of low debt, do a cash out refi at a relatively low interest rate. And the rate was about half of what the student loan rate would be, so all in all, uh, it could be a good strategy to use your equity in your home to help effectively pay for your children's college years to the extent that that's a goal of yours.
2: And, of course, interest rates have moved a lot in the last few months, so maybe those opportunities aren't as prevalent today. But still, you need to look at the numbers, and maybe rates will be down again in a few years, and and that home equity line versus student loan uh, might work out still in in your favor there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a dynamic uh, decision, no doubt. It, it changes through the years. Along the lines of a better tax plan, let's uh, look at a couple other things as to why maybe you don't pay down debt to take advantage of minimizing taxes. And one is you want to avoid a large tax set. I think you talked about this earlier. We've seen some, some people do this. Uh, we haven't had clients do this, but I know number of people have said, okay, I want to pay down debt early. I'm going to take a lump sum from my IRA or maybe over a few years, take distributions out of my IRA to pay down debt. Well, if it's too large of an amount, it could knock you into a larger tax rate and you pay unnecessary taxes as a result. So understand your withdrawal strategy, what your tax brackets are now versus later and how paying off debt more aggressively could impact your overall taxes just merely by kicking you up into a higher tax bracket. So be careful about that. But there are more advanced tax strategies you want to consider in paying down debt more slowly can maybe help you implement some of these strategies more effectively. And we'll get into those details, Merrill, about exactly how to do these strategies. But uh, by keeping your cash flow available for some of these strategies rather than pay down debt, it could help minimize taxes. But some of those strategies would include Roth IRA conversions. Right so by being able to when you convert from an IRA to a Roth IRA you incur taxes it's better if you have some cash flow or taxable account used to pay those taxes rather than you know pulling from the IRA so if you pay down your debt with some of these tax taxable investments well that decreases the benefits of these Roth IRA conversions and same goes with capital gains minimization advanced premium tax credits by having let's say a war chest of taxable accounts or cash assets to help meet your expenses could help you qualify for some of these extra subsidies or some of these capital gain, low rates in uh, for capital gains taxes. So by not paying down the debt, again, affords you or gives you a, a more of a war chest for tax planning, if you will.
2: Well, and th- that tax planning, those Roth IRA conversions, I know we've seen some uh, clients significantly improve their net worth by doing those Roth conversions. And they would not have been able to do that without, like you say, a war chest of some, a taxable account that had some extra cash and and bonds in it to help pay the taxes on those conversions. But looking 10, 20 years out into the future, boy, doing those conversions brought tremendous benefit to them uh, versus not doing them.
1: Exactly. And I get excited, you and I get excited about the tax benefits and some of these arbitrage benefits. But again, we want to remind our listener that we're not negative, oblivious to the fact that it could provide you peace of mind of paying down debt, regardless of what the numbers say. And that impact usually controls the decision, but don't, don't ignore the tax benefits though at the same time.
2: Yeah. You know, one other thing I thought about, another factor to consider uh, in this calculation is uh, your standard of living. Keep in mind that when you have a mortgage, Rather than not having a mortgage, yes, you've got a mortgage, so you've got less equity in your home. But if you had paid down extra in order to reduce that mortgage, you would have given up extra cash flow on on a monthly basis in order to have equity in the home. So you're trading cash flow that could go to maintain your standard of living for more equity in your home at a faster pace. And generally, we're not fans of having to rely on home equity to meet your expenses in retirement, but there can be situations where using that extra cash flow to maintain your standard of living uh, can just feel better and make life a little bit easier than trying to pay off the debt as fast as you could. And I know we've got at least uh, one client that I can think of off the top of my head where this is what we uh, recommended for them. So you're maintaining your standard of living rather than trying to build up massive equity in your home quickly. And being able to maintain that standard of living going into retirement can make the transition to retirement a lot more peaceful and easy for you. Of course, that was easy to do when mortgages were at 3%. And now that they're above 5 maybe that calculation is not quite the same.
1: Well, I was just going to say, yeah. So how do we do this analysis? I mean, we talked a lot about the the factors and some of the things that we consider, but it's it can't be
2: simple, but to get the right answer, it's not necessarily too simple. There are many factors for somebody to consider. And then, of course, there's factors to consider on a single year basis. There's more factors to consider when you're stretching this out uh, multiple years. You need to understand your your situation. And we say that often, but how do you do that? There's ways to get help, some tools that can be helpful for you. You could do the analysis with some online calculators, but boy, those are not necessarily uh, the best. They're, they just don't get into the details. We call this a scenario analysis where you're you know comparing one scenario to another, paying down the debt, accumulating cash, paying the debt in the future, maybe accumulating cash and never paying off the debt uh, or accelerating the payment of the debt. So maybe there's two or three scenarios that, that all need to be analyzed. And so when you lay out those scenarios and write them down, look at them, can give you some insight as to, well, what kind of tools do I need to analyze this? Oh, and don't forget, of course, the tax implications. A lot of the online tools do not do a good job on uh, estimating taxes. And as we've said, there might be two different tax situations for you, one from now to retirement. And then after retirement, your tax rates, marginal tax rates and other things are likely to change, maybe be lower. So if you're going to do a projection uh, that includes years in retirement, then you've got two different kind of tax situations to calculate. And and of course, you're going to run all the numbers. And then there's that non-financial aspect. It's we find that it's really good to run the numbers and see what they tell you and then overlay that with your peace of mind factor about uh, paying off your debt. So where can you get some help here? I mentioned online calculators, probably not the best tools for this kind of analysis. You can build your own. If you're bent this way, like many engineers that, that we work with, you might want to build your own Excel spreadsheet to provide this analysis course, it takes hours to develop. If you've got some skills there, you can do it and feel like I'm getting exactly what I need. And it can be, you know, can be fun hobby to know I'm I'm really understanding my own life and my own situation and enjoying being in charge of my money. You can buy sophisticated software. This might be what we do. We've got tools. Some tools could be 1500 a year, could be 4000 a year. And of course, With those complicated tools comes the need to learn how to use them properly, and that can take a lot of time, almost as much or more than just cranking out your own spreadsheet. Then instead of buying the software, learning how to use it, you can just hire a financial planner who already has the expensive software and knows how to use it. But that financial planner brings training and expertise in investments and doing these multi-year cash flow projections, maybe a tax background that can help you make a right decision. So you get more out of a financial planner than just their, their really good software, right? They, they've spent years accumulating the knowledge and skills to help you give, to give you advice on these scenarios.
1: Yes, uh, seek, seek help when's needed, uh, but the key is to look at it for your individual situation. Uh, man, I want to pivot a little bit, and we've been focusing on whether the question about whether or not to pay down the mortgage in retirement, and obviously the mortgage is a way to tap into the equity on your home. Uh, there are two other ways, two other tools that you can tap into your equity that can potentially benefit you so i just want to touch on those I want to look at home equity line of credit real quick as well as a reverse mortgage so and similar to a mortgage a home equity line could be used to help meet financial goals or to assist with some strategic tax planning to minimize taxes or or help with investments as well and of course we don't generally act, uh, advocate using a home equity line of credit to to buy toys or things that are out of reach uh, but use it smartly and it can be a tool so again it can Help you with tax strategies it could help get with those Roth conversions or help provide some some cash flow needs to qualify for some of those the premium tax sub- subsidies we alluded to but it also can be used as a buffer when markets are down right you maybe you don't you initially qualify for a home equity line of credit and have a, a certain amount you can tap into hundred thousand two hundred whatever the bank gives you it's outlined there but if the markets are down a home equity line potentially could be used as a buffer to meet your cash flow needs, to give your stocks time to recover. So I won't get into... Yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say about those tax strategies. I thought about this. If you're using the home equity line to help you do some of these Roth conversions, keep in mind that when we're calculating the return on your investments, we no longer are pulling taxes out of those because it's over in the Roth. And so that makes it more frequent that the returns in the investments in the Roth beat the cost of the after-tax cost of the interest on the home equity line. So interesting idea there on the tax strategies. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's really got to be looked at over a long term to see the, the overall uh, tax benefit to really see the, the arbitrage over the long term. So, so again, yeah, and home equity line could be used as a buffer, like I said, when markets are down. But at the end of the day, you know, home equity lines of credits cost money. So you need to evaluate that, and the interest rates tend to be variable. So that's a factor and a risk that you need to consider. But if it's a short term play and you could pay it off, you know, over time in a tax smart manner, it might be something worth considering. Yeah. And another tool to consider is a reverse mortgage. It's not right for many or maybe for most people, but it is a way to, if you've pay down your debt or you need more debt in later years, it's a way to get equity out of your home in your later years. There's limits on the amount that you can obtain, but the idea is that you never have to pay it back. You pay back the lender at the end of the day when you pass away and, and or when your home is sold at that point or, or earlier. Rate, interest rates are a little bit higher. Some of the upfront costs are a little bit higher. So it doesn't make sense in all cases, but for some, it may make sense uh, to help you maintain your lifestyle and stay in the home that you want. So it's worth considering, but
2: understand the costs that are involved with a reverse mortgage. Yep. Wow. So uh, we've done it. We've made it through this topic and deciding whether to pay down debt leading up to retirement or pay it off at retirement, not pay it off and, and just let it run down its amortization schedule, all of that should be based on uh, these financial issues that we've tried to kind of put some definition to, but also on the non-financial concerns you might have and non-financial goals you might have. So even if the financial analysis suggests that, oh, you should keep your debt and invest the difference, sometimes you nevertheless want that peace of mind to know that your debt is paid off by the time you hand in your notice and, and uh, walk out the door at retirement. So uh, here's some takeaways for you, some action steps. First of all, take an assessment of your current debt situation. What is your interest rate? What is your after-tax cost of the debt? And maybe you've got several different types of debt and they've got different interest rates, different tax advantages, and you need to calculate that for all of that debt that you have. Then compare that after-tax cost of debt to the expected return on your investment portfolio. So so you need to kind of define what your portfolio needs to look like and calculate an expected return and apply uh, taxes to that as well, right? If those investments are in a, quote, taxable account or a tax now account, get the after-tax return on the investment. Then you can take a holistic view, consider tax planning opportunities, Uh, We encourage you to look at that holistic picture. Also make that a multi-year view of your uh, cash flow and taxes. Then kind of get into the details there and see if you can find uh, the best path forward for you. Paying down the debt, not paying down the debt. And of course, it's not one or the other. Maybe you say, "I want to pay down a little bit on the mortgage, but I want to save the rest too." So there's also that that sort of middle ground. And you know, when you take this knowledge and this analysis, and you look at your choices and settle in on them, it's going to free you up to say, "Hey, I tackled that. I made a good decision about it, and now I can move on." to other aspects of my retirement, getting ready for retirement. That's going to bring me some more fulfillment to my life. I've done my homework on this. I've made a decision. This is my path. And now I can focus on some other aspects of retirement that I need to get ready for. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us today at the Retirement Oasis. For more information, please go to the theretirementoasis.com where you can find links to additional resources that we've mentioned in this uh, episode. And if you need guidance and encouragement in planning for your specific retirement situation and you want fresh approach from a fiduciary professional, please visit our firm's website at oasiswealthplanning.com and you can schedule an exploratory call with us. Also, if, real, if you liked what you heard here today, uh, you're enjoying our podcast, please visit your favorite podcast platform. Give us a good rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And it would help us share with others the good things that we're doing here at the Retirement Oasis. So until next time, we wish you clarity, confidence, and cheer on the way to your Retirement Oasis.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Oasis podcast. You can find more episodes and resources at theretirementoasis.com. Steve Martin and Mel Bond are certified financial planning practitioners at Oasis Wealth Planning Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Nashville, with meeting locations throughout the Southeast, including Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The opinions given are for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, financial planning, or tax advice. Consult your own professionals for recommendations specific to your situation. Investments involve risk. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. On behalf of the crew at the Retirement Oasis, we thank you for listening.